1: This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. Look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else.
0: Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the Glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson and Michael Fabiano.
1: Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the SI Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. Fantasy Executive and Fabs coming to you on a Thursday in the off week before the Super Bowl. This is the week, Mike, we would normally have the Pro Bowl, which is an event that I have never watched. You ever been to a Pro Bowl, Mike?
0: I've never been to a Pro Bowl. And I used to watch him, though, like, you know, when I was
1: younger. Yeah.
0: But, like, when you when you do what we do and you get a break from
1: football for, like, a weekend. No doubt. No doubt. 100%. I, I
0: really watched one with much uh, interest uh, over the last, you know, 10 years or so.
1: I, I think the last couple of ones that I've – I, I remember watching live when Sean the Great, the legendary Sean Taylor blew up the punter. That was – Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yep, that yep. was that was amazing watching that live. Like he flipped the punter in the Pro Bowl, and I think like maybe the last time I watched the game all the way through, Michael Irvin won the MVP.
0: Nah, that was that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was a little bit that was a little bit of time ago. What's up with your boy the dope man? Well, let me not say <laughs> the playmaker Michael Irvin.
0: Ah, oh, he's I mean he's good. I obviously didn't see him you know this yeah. past season, but it's funny because Mike and I last year twenty nineteen. When the Cowboys were expected to do well and didn't. Of course. Every time I did Game Day morning, the first thing that Mike and I would do would console each other and yeah. give, give a little hug because you know the Cowboys were not doing what we all kind of hoped that they were doing. But uh, yeah, I'm sure Mike's doing just fine.
1: My favorite Mike I remember when he had a little situation, whatever, and he had to and he had to go to court, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he showed up. He went to court. I guess the media caught him going into the courthouse. He had the shades on in the full-length mink. And I was like, I want to be Michael Irvin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's had a a, uh, colorful career.
1: Yes, I can tell you plenty of stories about Michael Irvin off the air from people outside of Michael Irvin telling me the stories. But anything, let's get ready to hop into some of the latest news going on around the NFL and listen to a lot going on with Deshaun Watson the trade has officially been requested. Now he wants out of Houston. Hasn't spoke to the owner. Hasn't spoke to Easterby. Uh, no, no plans on talking to new head coach Dan Cullen. Give me get your initial thoughts on what's going on with the Houston Texans organization. Is this a is, is it a sugar honey iced tea show out there? Like everybody, <laughs> like, like everybody's saying it is, Mike. Well, think about it.
0: You know what? What has this organization done? Although you know they had made the playoffs uh, under Bill O'Brien and had the Chiefs on the ropes. You know, last uh, last postseason of course that didn't really pan out but yeah you trade new Copkins, you put yourself in a bad spot in the draft and your top players don't want to play there so where there's smoke there's fire man so like i don't know i don't know if it's at the top with the owner i don't know if it's with the with with the, the the personnel the staff the the coaches i mean now you turned the whole coaching staff uh over so things are going to be different but you saw Andre Johnson come out on social media backing Deshaun Watson and being like, "Get the hell out of there, man! Things aren't run well, and Houston's not a respected franchise in the eyes of a lot of NFL players." Hell, JJ Watt, what did he say after the season was over?
1: He's like, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, we, we we sorry, we basically threw away a year of your career. Right, exactly.
0: So now, and and.
1: and I had
0: John McClain on Fantasy Dirt on SiriusXM uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he had said that by no means do the Texans plan on trading him. Well, the Texans have their hands tied now a bit. The only Stracking. leverage, the only Stracking. leverage, that, the only leverage that that the Texans have is if they go out and tell Watson, "We are not trading you. We're not doing it." Mm-hmm. And if Watson doesn't show up to camp and practices they could just find the heck out of him but that's the only leverage they have do you know how terrible
1: they would look if they did that
0: i know i know so let's let's go into the teams that we would want Watson to to land with from a fantasy perspective and and some of these landing spots maybe aren't realistic but this is a fantasy podcast so and it's it's a lot of the same teams that We'd like to see Matthew Stafford end up with New Orleans, San Francisco, Denver. I mean, you'd like to you'd like to throw the Colts in there too, but I don't know that the Texans would trade him within the division. But then again, the Texans have not made the smartest decisions over the last, you know, few seasons. So who knows? But I, I wouldn't expect that to happen. Uh the Miami Dolphins are also in the mix, and we've heard reports that Watson wants to go to the Jets. Now the Jets, as their current roster is constructed, would be horrible for Watson. But they do have a bunch of dough to spend you know, this this off season, I believe and they have draft yeah.
1: capital too.
0: Right. Well, well, how much of that draft capital would they have to give away though, Corey, to get to get Watson? So uh, I, I, I'm I'm sure they. What do
1: you What do you do with Donald? Is what What is Donald equivalent to right now as far as draft capital? Because can you say okay, we'll give you one hour first rounders and Donald, and throw in some first no, rounders? No, dude. Watson. Donald right now.
0: Watson. Whoever gets Watson. You're talking about giving up multiple first-round picks, multiple first-round picks, and then some other selections. And, you know, maybe a player mixed in there as well. I I would think it's more going to be draft picks than anything else. Dude, how many teams have that, right? Miami has it. You know, the Jets have it, for example. There's not a whole lot of teams that have enough draft capital, unless you're talking about, you know, this this season's first, next season's first, which is also possible. But the Jets... Their number one running back right now is Lamichael P Ryan. Their number one wide receiver right now is a, a slot guy in Jamison Crowder. They they don't have any talent on the offensive side of the football, so they're going to have to do a heck of a lot of
1: work. Well, Mike, I would I would say that Deshaun Watson had one of his best seasons this year, and we'll get into that. Yes, with very little talent in offensively in but Houston. Corey, can't, well, Fuller was great for the for for a good part of the season. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but David Johnson didn't do anything. Kenny Stills or you know you know um. Kiki QT. A lot of these guys are no better than than you know.
0: With the Jets, had. Uh, if he can do in New York what he did with Houston with Brashad Perriman, Denzel Mims, and Jamison Crowder, then he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. <laughs> 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 I like Will Fuller, Will Fuller is ten times more talented than any true. wide receiver the Jets have. That's Brandon true. Cooks, like Brandon Cooks, is a good wide receiver. Damn. Like people poop on him because he's been traded so many times. But the guy's good. Like, he's not garbage. Like, the Jets have – Prashad Perriman is a first-round bust from, what, yep. five or six years ago. Denzel Mims has showed some flashes. But, I mean, we don't know what we're going to get from him. Like, the Jets have to make some serious moves on the offensive side of the football to, to go out and, and and make Watson as valuable as he was this past season in Houston. He led the league in passing yards. Is he going to do that with the Jets' cast of characters right now? No. So the Jets are going to have a lot, and people people want to play under this new head coach. You know, he's a player's coach. A lot of the guys respect him out there. But if if Watson goes to the Jets, they got some moves to make, man, because uh, as their current uh, roster is constructed, I'd be a little bit worried about Watson.
1: Interesting stuff right there. Uh, Corey Parson, Michael Fabiano, coming to you, getting ready for um, the NFL offseason. Like, you know, as we always say, fantasy football is – 365 nowadays. So let's hop into 101 101 fantasy facts from the 2019 season. Well, excuse mm-hmm. me, the 2020 season. 2019 season would have been a year ago, and that would have been outdated. So now <laughs> we look at some of these fantasy facts right here. First thing that I want to ask you about is let's let's hop on let's start with the quarterbacks and let's start with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh like you mentioned he finished with career best uh so uh, all over the season. He did it without Hopkins and Will Fuller being suspended for the most of the year. What exactly was the facts about Mr. Deshaun Watson?
0: Well, you got to factor in a couple of things. One, Watson is the type of quarterback who can make the players around him better. And there was questions about whether or not that was going to be the case without New Hopkins. And he did that. Houston's defense was also garbage. I mean, it was terrible. So Watson was in a position where, you know, he had to throw the ball a bunch and try to eliminate deficits, which ultimately did not happen. But he is a... Super talented player. He also rushed for 444 yards, which I believe is a career high. And, you know, you look at Watson's numbers, you know, he was 10th in pass attempts this past season. He completed 70% of his passes. He was, you know, he had the most accurate season that he's ever had in the National Football League. He, everything kind of came together for him, even though it looked like it might be falling apart when they traded Nuke. And so now, moving forward, you have more faith in Watson as your QB1 if he doesn't have that superior talent around him. But with that being said, the Jets have very mediocre talent around him. So if he goes there, something's going to have to happen uh, in terms of the personnel with the Jets.
1: Yeah, no, the personnel in, in, in New York is going to have to improve. I, I, I agree with you on, on that. But, um, you know, what also what you notice is this happens a lot with New York's teams, too, is, except for the Yankees. What you will see is a lot of times these teams, other teams use the New York franchise as kind of a, a leverage play to get other teams to pay up. It's happened with the Knicks a million times. We've seen it happen with the Mets. We've seen it happen with the Jets and stuff like that. Do you mm-hmm. think that they could be using the Jets to, to, to get, like, a Miami Dolphins to drive their price tag up?
0: It's possible. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. And, you know, ultimately, if this deal does happen – where Watson is traded. And I, I still, I mean, it's looking more likely now, but I still don't think it's, you know, hundred percent guaranteed to happen. Yeah, no doubt. But Houston's going to, they are going to, they're going to take the best deal they get. It doesn't matter what the, you know, what the, um, uh, you know, what the team is. Although again, I, I don't think I would trade him to Indianapolis, for example. But Houston's got to – they're rebuilding, man, and they're going to have to get a lot of draft capital, uh, and, and it's got to be worth their while. Like I said, multiple first-round picks, maybe some second-round picks. They're going to have to get an absolute king's ransom to trade Deshaun Watson.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, Mike, check your text message right quick. Um, so let, let, let's hop on the situation. Let's talk about uh, our guy, our quarterback, quarterback for America's football team, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dak Prescott obviously had the horrible leg break this year. But, you know, when we did our fantasy football bowl predictions for 2021, I said that I believe that Dak Prescott was going to finish the season as quarterback one, and that's mainly because he started this year on historic pace, correct?
0: Yeah, he did. He was unbelievable. When you look at the numbers, he was on pace for over 5,900 passing yards, over 38 total touchdowns, and what would be an NFL best 434 fantasy points. Like That's a bullet. He was playing really well. And it was, it was, you know, one of those scenarios where Dak was, was throwing the football successfully, a little bit of love on the ground, but the Cowboys' defense was so bad that the Cowboys were getting into shootouts every single week. And that's what you kind of want from a fantasy perspective from your quarterback. Defense is garbage, quarterback's good. They got to throw the remember that game against Seattle? I mean, yeah. Dak was putting up great numbers, really good numbers. And in our staff mock draft, I got him in the seventh round. And I know yeah, that people are going to be a little bit concerned about him coming back from such a gruesome leg injury. I will take the chance on Dak in the seventh round all day long and twice on Sunday. I think he's going to be fine coming back. The Cowboys ultimately have to decide what they're going to do with him. Are they going to tag him again? Is there going to be some sort of you know contract agreement? Time will tell. That's going to be one of the big storylines of the offseason. But if Dak is back with the Cowboys with the talent they have, man, like I could absolutely see him finishing as a top three or four quarterback in 2021
1: qb talent the offensive talent in dallas cowboys remain strong that offensive line starting to get a little older right now it's probably gonna have to be rebuilt a little bit but they have done a good job at drafting at those positions but that back end, that defense they got to get better and they got to be coached better too before we really can get excited about maybe seeing dak prescott in the final weekend of the season which i do think at some point in his career at least god knows i really would like to mike Mm -hmm. um Let's talk about a rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert. Wow. He wasn't yeah. even expected to start. He got started, he started by accident. He did. And he, he did. And he tore the joint up.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, he's coming off of one of the two best fantasy seasons among rookie quarterbacks. You're looking at the numbers. He was ninth in points. He didn't start every game. Uh, remember with the Tyrod Taylor situation. He ended up ranking second all-time in passing yards among rookies. First in touchdown passes. Second in fantasy points. And he was the youngest quarterback to ever throw 30 touchdown passes in a single season. Uh, Lamar Jackson held the record uh, from last season. He was 22 years, 339 days. And Herbert was 22 years, 299 days. So he gets the same. record. He gets the record and the future is very bright there. I know that LA is going to have to, there's going to be some changes now on the offensive side in terms of the coaching with Shane Steichen uh, moving on, but Whatever the Chargers do, and you know, Brandon Staley knows this, they're going to be building around that talented young quarterback.
1: Situation's going to be interesting this offseason with the New Orleans Saints as expected. We all expect Drew Brees to call it a quits sometime soon. And then after Drew Brees calls it a quits, it's going to be interesting to see who takes over as the head co- I mean, excuse me, as the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. We all know mm-hmm. the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton. That offensive system has worked very well for years. They got two guys in there, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill had some very interesting numbers this year, Mike.
0: Yeah, he was really good. Uh, he, Hill started four games for the uh, for the Saints this past year, and during that time, he averaged twenty one point one points per game. He was the QB seven. He rushed for two hundred nine yards in those games. So if you project that over sixteen games, he's at uh, you know mid mid eight hundreds, eight thirty six which means he would have finished second behind Lamar and ahead of Kyler, barely, among quarterbacks in terms of rushing yards. That's huge. So if the Saints decide to start Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill could be a top-ten quarterback, easily. Now there's a lot of depth at the position, but based on what he could do on the ground, that is not out of the realm of possibility where where Taysom Hill's a top-ten quarterback. The one drawback to Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback is that In those four games, when Taysom was the starter, Alvin Kamara was targeted just 16 times. He only had 10 catches, and he averaged 14.2 points per game. That is problematic. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback for the Saints moving forward, is Alvin Kamara a top-five pick?
1: We're going to find out. Definitely going to be interesting to see how that one shakes out between Jamison Hill. And and, and Hill was a, a brilliant when he had his chances this year. Speaking of the running back position in Alvin Kamara, let's go to the guy who was at the top of the running back draft board. I think that Kamara should be 1-1 depending on that quarterback situation as we come into the 2021 season. But the guy who's 1-1 this year, Christian McCaffrey, Mike, he didn't play in a ton of games, but when he did, he kind of still
0: was the man. He was awesome. He averaged 30.1 points per game. 30.1 points per game. In his last 19 games, dating back to 2019, McCaffrey – has scored 20 plus points 17 times and in eight of those games he had more than 30 points and he only had 76 touches so you know what if nothing else if you want to look at the glass half full aspect of things he's going to be fresh for 2021 and if I had the first overall pick in a draft which I did in our staff mock I took Christian McCaffrey
1: yep I saw that too that was a a very interesting pick um And listen, C-Mac, he is what he is. You know what I'm saying? He he can do so much. He gets out there. He's healthy. Looks like that offense, as we saw in the limited time that he was out there, is kind of built and set up for him. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves, I think, should still return to be the quarterback next year. Interesting to see what they do. That could be a situation where they could get somebody in there. Um, Also, let's look around and look at some more running backs um, this season. I want to talk about uh, Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb was a guy me and you and Dr. Odo talked about a lot coming into the season. I am the biggest Nick Chubb supporter. What do we have on him? How did he do this season?
0: So, when I was projecting Nick Chubb uh, in the non-existent preseason, I was saying he was probably, to me, right around the turn. More of a second-round pick because Kareem Hunt was in the mix, and the numbers weren't great in the limited time that we saw those two guys play together uh, in the previous season in 2019. This is what Nick Chubb did. All right, Looking at his numbers, he put up uh, an average of 17.3 points per game. Yep, He did miss time uh, with, with the knee. If you project 17.3 points per game over a full season, Nick Chubb would have been the RB4. He finished 11th in fantasy points. He scored 207.7. And this guy, despite the fact that he's got another, you could say former elite fantasy running back, in the backfield with him was still every bit as good as he was without Kareem Hunt. So is Nick Chubb now worth the first round pick? You might say so.
1: I, I look at Chubb's game as a guy who has—I don't want to misquote it, Mike—but if I'm not mistaken, he has split backfields with Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift, and maybe even Todd Gurley at a point. <laughs> he was—I'm not sure—going back to Gurley. Maybe but not, I maybe do, not, right? But, but, I, but, but, I, but I do know
0: that that Nick Chubb, yes, during his collegiate career, boy, George has had a lot of good running backs come out of that school, man. I'll tell you. But factory? They, all they do is run the ball. All they do is run the ball in Cleveland. That's all they do. And that ain't going to change when Odo Beckham Jr. comes back. It, that is what the philosophy is. That's why I'd love to see OBJ out of Cleveland, because ultimately his statistical success is completely hamstrung in that offense.
1: Before we hop in and talk about some of these rookies, I want to uh, discuss Ezekiel Elliott this year. Mm -hmm. Listen, when the season first started and Dak was out there and the Cowboys was losing games and, you know what I'm saying, looked terrible against the Falcons but found out a way to get a victory and just that defense was playing awful, couldn't stop nobody. Zeke was getting it done. But then when Dak left. ah. Yes, Zeke was
0: great. He averaged 22.3 points in the five games started by Dak. He was the RB3. So if you project that point total over a full season, Zeke's a top three back. You know, he's, he's 357 points, which is bananas good. But in the 10 games that he didn't play, Dak, that is, and Zeke had a deal with Gilbert Grape and Danucci and Andy <laughs> Dalton, 11.2 points per game, and he was the RB24. Defenses knew what was coming. I mean, the Cowboys had a lot of good pass catchers. They still do, obviously. But defenses knew what was coming, and I don't know if it was a lack of motivation on Zeke's part or whatever the kids he dropped 11 points per game. That's a ton. But Dak will be back, folks. And in the in the staff mock draft that we had, Zeke was the 10th overall pick, and he's 26 going into next season. He's not finished, folks. He's not a Todd Gurley 26 either. He's not. No, he's not finished. So just keep that in mind. I'm not saying that Zeke should be a top three pick like he was this past season. But if you get him at 10, man, you're going to be feeling good about yourself.
1: Let's hop in and talk about some of these rookie running backs, get some fantasy facts on them from them in the 2020 season. And let's start with the glide Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It looked like we had another fantasy stud in the making after one week, but then things kind of got, Ugh. but it,
0: it it didn't get ugly until they signed Le'Veon Bell. So in the first six games, Edwards Hilaire averaged 21.3 touches that My friends, is a featured backs roll. 21.3 touches. He averaged nearly 16 points per game. He was on pace to rush for over 1,300 yards and post over 1,800 scrimmage yards. That's really good. And then the Chiefs, for some reason, which drives me nuts still to this day because I really like the glide, bring in Le'Veon Bell. In the final seven games, when Edwards Alaire and Bell were on the roster, edwards averaged 12.7 touches and 11.5 fantasy points per game. That was it. So he went down from being a pretty nice RB1, not an elite one, but pretty good, to being a middling RB2. This kid can do it, folks. He can do it. Here's what you need to figure out, and this is what we all have to watch. Damian Williams opted out. He's still got a year under his contract. Does he come back? I mean, I'm guessing he does. What kind of role does he play? Because I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to be in Kansas City. He had not done anything there. Let's be honest. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I believe you took him in the mock in the third round. On
1: the 2-3 turn.
0: I will absolutely take a chance on Clyde Edwards-Alaire at that point if he's still there in draft. I will
1: take him at the back end of the second.
0: He's young. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a perfect fit for the Chiefs ra- uh, offense. I said it, and I screamed it from the mountaintops. And for six weeks, I was right. And then they brought in Bell, and all hell you know, broke loose, and that was the end. So I, I still like this kid. Uh, I would not poo-poo him. I know there were some rookie running backs who maybe have moved ahead of him, you know, certainly like Jonathan Taylor and some others will too. But I wouldn't be surprised if this guy had a very good sophomore season.
1: I would always, uh, I would tend to agree with you on that, especially if you get that big discount on him. This is a guy that was going at seven overall towards the end of the of draft season last year. And now he comes back and we're seeing early, but still anywhere from that middle of the second round back, you know what I'm saying? I think you you fire on Clyde Edwards-Halea I don't see where you can go wrong. I'm, well, I'm, I, yeah, it, you, it could go wrong. Who knows? They might sign. You know what I'm saying? Who knows who they might sign next year? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You gotta, they you might watch, yeah. it. they you find got, the Sean McCoy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Let's yeah. give him Sean McCoy two more years. You know what I mean? Um, Cam Akers. We got yeah. hot down the stretch, Mike. Yeah,
0: he did, dude. And, and Akers was waiver wire fodder. Like I remember, yep. you know, he got drafted across the board. Everyone thought it was going to be Akers. And ultimately it was Daryl Henderson. So, In his first nine games, he averaged 6.9 touches and 5.1 fantasy points. In those nine games, he was the RB66. Not good. Then the Rams got smart. Final seven games, including the postseason, Akers averaged almost 22 touches per game and 16.3 fantasy points. If you combine the points that he scored in those games, which is 114.2, Akers was the RB7 during that time. We've already seen a report that the Rams are unlikely to bring back Malcolm Brown. So I would suggest that Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson will be the top two backs in this backfield next season. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be. That's going to be interesting because Jared Goff stinks. But Akers could end up being a second-round pick. He won't be any worse than a third-round pick. And if they continue to run him as a featured back, watch
1: out. No doubt. Let's talk about another rookie running back before we get over to the wide receivers. Another guy who kind of picked it up down the stretch. Baltimore Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram has already been released. Still got Gus the Bus in the mix, but Dobbins was running the ball well down the stretch as well, Mike.
0: Yeah, he was good, and he actually led all running backs with at least two hundred carries and yards per carry average at six. So he was he was dynamite right when he got the football. He also tied uh, for third among running backs with eight carries of more than twenty yards. And, of course, he tied Gus Edwards-Hilaire. I'm sorry, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards-Hilaire. Boy, what was that? Edwards, who that proves that that Ravens offense is conducive to running backs breaking off big plays. And I think Dobbins, while he won't be a true featured back, you know, not like Zeke or Saquon, for example, I think he's going to lead that backfield in touches next season. Edwards is going to get his. He's a restricted free agent. I would think Baltimore would bring him back. But Dobbins is going to be the starter. And Dobbins has got he's got the skill set to really succeed in the National Football League, especially in that offense. So uh, I'm looking at him as a second or third rounder as well.
1: Things may have been a little bit difficult at times this year for rookie running backs. And when you go to the wide receiver position, Mike, it seems like a couple of fantasy stars was born from this year's draft class. Now going into this year's draft class, everyone spoke about how deep it was a wide receiver. And for the most part, it kind of did pan out. Let's start at the top. Justin Jefferson was amazing.
0: He was, uh, you know, 274.2 fantasy points, uh, fourth most among rookie wide receivers in the Super Bowl era, behind some really great names, Randy Moss, OBJ, uh, Anquan Bolden. Uh, Jefferson's 1,400 receiving yards are the most in a single season by a rookie wide receiver. He broke Bolden's record uh, of 1377 set back in 2003 in Arizona. Jefferson was also the sixth best wide receiver during the season, averaging 17.1 points per game. But he only had six targets in the first two games. At that point, people were dropping him because they didn't think he was going to make an impact. And then from weeks three to 17, he averaged almost 19 points per game, averaged 8.5 targets per game, and he was the fourth best wide receiver in fantasy football. So Jefferson has now moved up into that. He was a first-round pick in our mock draft. I don't know that that will be the case overall, but he'll be no worse than a second-rounder.
1: Yeah, I can see him coming a little bit after that one-two term. We've discussed, guys, like uh, the perfect example, I keep bringing up Julio Jones, not to pick on Julio, but I would take Justin Jefferson over Julio Jones in the draft in 2021, 10 times out of 10, and I think you can uh, come up the list and, and knock some even more of your favorite wide receivers off that perch for Justin Jefferson. C.D. Lamb, Dallas Cowboys, rookie wide receiver, also got busy this year, in, even without Dak Prescott for most of the season.
0: He was the wide receiver 22, uh, he scored 217.7 points. That's 18th best among rookie wide receivers. But listen to this when he played with Dak, he averaged 17.1 points per game. If you project that total over a full season, he is at 273.6 points over a 16 game period. That would have been 0. 0.6 fewer points than Jefferson. And we're talking about how great Jefferson was. Wow. In the 11 games without Dak, Lamb was the wide receiver 35 and averages 12 points per game. I would not be surprised. That if Cooper, Amari Cooper, does remain with the Cowboys, that CeeDee Lamb gets picked ahead of him in some leagues. Wouldn't be surprised.
1: Interesting stuff. I can definitely see that that talent is definitely there. And you see that um, come in place, especially where he plays at. Um, talk about some of the big names. What about Chase Claypool? Nobody kind of really saw that coming. Yeah, he had a little stretch, but he was balling. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 11 total touchdowns as a rookie that tied Mike Williams. Uh if you remember Mike Williams with the Bucks back in 2010 for the fifth most from a rookie wide receiver in a single season. Uh Randy Moss had 17, John Jefferson had 13. You guys might remember him from uh you know his time playing with the with the Bolts in the 70s. Uh, OBJ had 12, Mike Evans had 12. So we had a couple of guys in that 2014 class that was just bananas good. But Claypool was was solid, man. And also consider this. Juju Smith is a free agent, folks. If Juju leaves, and maybe he's worn out as welcome in Pittsburgh, I don't know. Think about that wide receiver core. core Deontay core, and Chase Claypool, and then James Washington. Boy, both of those two th- those top two guys could see an increase in their fantasy value uh in 2021 if Juju does jump ship.
1: Brandon Ayuk was one of the guys that people were saying could uh, play a big role this year. Saw a situation where Debo Samuels was banged up at times during the season. Obviously, you know Kyle Shanahan can coach offense with the best of them. What do you think about Ayuk's rookie season? It was was
0: up and down. He finished as the wide receiver 35, but he averaged eight targets a game and five catches a game. That's pretty good. But in weeks 7 to 15... Ayuk played six games. He had, you know, he he dealt with some some injuries uh, as a rookie, but in those six games, in that weeks, uh, in those weeks, seven to fifteen, he averaged twenty point eight points per game. That was third among wide receivers, behind only Tyreek and Devontae Adams, who were the top wide receivers in fantasy football. Ayuk scored seventeen plus points in every game that during that stretch, and he led all wide receivers in average targets per game at eleven point five. Now, part of that, of course, is that George Kittle was out and Debo was hurt. So you got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But when Ayuk was put in a role where he was the top option in the offense for the Niners, he thrived. He really did. And what happens if the Niners go out and trade for Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford? Could be interesting.
1: Could be very interesting. Right. Enough talking about the young pups. Let's get to the big dogs. And let me just go right to the top. Did Devontae Adams have the best Season fantasy wise for a wide receiver in NFL history because I feel like he did. Uh,
0: it, it wasn't the best. He he did of course lead all wide receivers in points. Um, you know this this past season he was tremendous. He had 18 touchdown catches that uh, tied Mark Clayton in 1984 and Sterling Sharp in 1994 for the third most recorded in a single season. Uh, of course the most touchdown catches uh, during the Super Bowl era or ever. Randy Moss remember when he had 23 touchdowns for the New England Patriots back in 2007, but. Adams was, he was every bit as good as advertised. And when this guy was out there, he he put up numbers every single week. Like it did not matter who the competition was. Doesn't matter, right? Jalen, it doesn't matter who it was. He was unbelievably productive. Now, can he do it again? I think he can, but we'll also have to look and see what uh, Green Bay does at the wide receiver position. Right. Do they go out and draft somebody? Do they bring somebody in? Uh, Alan Lazard is an exclusive rights free agent. Uh, MBS is going to be back, but I don't think anybody, you know, is going to mistake MBS for, for an elite talent. Let's put it that way. So, and, and uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. I mean, like, there's a lot of people out there. Oh, is he going to come yeah. back? I mean, eh, come on folks. Like, I mean, he was, you know, he, he was never, he was never not uh, going to be back uh, to answer your question too. Uh, in the Super Bowl era, Adam's, 2020 season was 15th among wide receivers all time. Jerry Rice in 1995 had 414 fantasy points. I mean, uh, Antonio Brown had 388 Ah. in 2015. He had 386 in 2014. Of course, Moss's 2007 season when he had 23 touchdowns, Marvin Harris and Isaac Bruce, Moss in 2003, Julio Jones in 2015, Michael Thomas last year, of course, Herman Moore, Jerry Rice, Chris Carter, Calvin Johnson, Torrey Holt, all ahead of Devontae Adams, who uh, still had a a tremendous season. Nonetheless, another quick little interesting tidbit that could be used for bar trivia. Um, Tyreek and Devontae Adams both scored at least 17 total touchdowns. That is only the second time that two wide receivers have scored at least 17 touchdowns during the Super Bowl era. The first time it happened was 1995. Chris Carter, and you remember Carl Pickens?
1: Carl Pickens, Cincinnati Bengals?
0: That's right, Tennessee product. He came out and uh, had a big season in 1995.
1: Interesting stuff right there, Carl Pickens. I remember I remember him with that jersey on, catching those passes, and obviously Chris Carter, all he does is catch touchdown passes. Um, before the season started, I was like, I'm not fooling with Steph Diggs in the Buffalo Bills offense. I think I made a mistake, Mike. <laughs> he was amazing. He
0: was am- I liked Diggs. I thought his value rose with Buffalo but not that much. You know, I thought he was going to be a nice wide receiver too. He was elite this year. He finished third in points among wide receivers, uh career best in fantasy points, a league high 127 catches, a league high 1535 yards. Uh his 328.6 fantasy points are the most scored by a Bills wide receiver during the Super Bowl era. Uh the previous record was 289.9 points. Set by Eric Molds. You remember him in two thousand and two.
1: Oh yeah, I remember Eric Molds.
0: It's the it's the only time in the history of the National Football League that a Bills wide receiver has led the league in receiving yards. How about that?
1: Uh, and that they had Andre Reed, right and they had
0: Eric Molds. Yeah. I, I won't bring up Peerless Price, but they've no, they've no. had some pretty good wide receivers during the course another of Tennessee uh,
1: project. Another t- Tennessee prospect, that's right? That's right. Yep. My boy Boog, shout out my man Boogie. He used to tell me that the peerless price was going to be the greatest wide receiver in NFL history. I'm ah, say, I'm he had a couple of good seasons, and then yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> oh, boy. I tell you what, though. Keenan Allen was a guy who was overlooked for the most part on draft day. Tremendous value. Everybody went to the season think, okay, we're not really going to see much from Keenan Allen this year because Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback. But when Justin Herbert got in there, oh, my God.
0: Yeah, he, he was good. And and that was that was the issue with Keenan Allen, right? No Philip Rivers, and Tyrod was going to be the quarterback. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to trust you know Tyrod Taylor. I mean, like, come on, it, it's you know he, he's an okay quarterback, but I mean, it's not like he's going to you know light the world on fire. And how many points did Keenan Allen score in Week One when Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback? Seven point yeah. seven. It was the worst performance he had all season. At least up until he got banged up towards the end of the year. He had a bit of a stinker against the Patriots at 9.8. But Keenan Allen, all right, finished 13th in points among wide receivers. He missed time at the end of the season due to the injuries. But he was fifth in points per game at 18.3. And he led all wide receivers in targets per game at 10.7. I mean, that's pretty good. And that was all with Justin Herbert under center. Justin Herbert made Keenan Allen better, he's going to make Hunter Henry better. Assuming that Hunter Henry resigns with the Chargers, he's going to make Austin Eckler better, and that Chargers offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: No doubt. Looking forward to seeing the Los Angeles Chargers next year. When we talk about tight ends, uh, Mike, let's just start at the top because why else wouldn't we? Travis Kelsey was a complete stud. You know what I'm he's saying? Just, he's well, unreal, well dude. worth the draft pick if you paid up for him. If you paid up for a tight end, he is well worth it.
0: Five years in a row. He's been the number one tight end in fantasy. Five. Five. Okay? I mean, this guy is is going to end up going down as the best offensive tight end in the history of the National Football League. Uh, Or at least two or three with Rob Gronkowski and Tony Gonzalez being up there as well. Kelsey scored 312.8 points. Most he's ever scored in his career. Second most ever scored by a tight end in a single season behind Rob Gronkowski who had 330.9 points in 2011. Uh, Kelsey had 1,416 receiving yards, which set a new NFL record, which was set last year by George Kittle. And oh, by the way, Kelsey was two in receiving yards last year, all time. He had 105 catches. That is the fourth most overall from a tight end in a single season. Now the question is, and you know me, I always beware the magical season. Kelsey's been doing this for a while. He'll be 32 in October. Can we expect similar production again? We're going to find out.
1: Interesting. Uh, Darren Waller kept it going this season, didn't he?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, 278.6 fantasy points, eighth all time in a single season among tight ends. He had 107 catches. That's the third most ever behind Zach Ertz, who had 116 in 2018, and our guy Jason Witten, who just retired, or is going to retire as a Dallas Cowboy. Jason Witten. He had 110 catches in 2012. But Waller had a great season, man. He was was tremendous. And, And now... He was so good that that number two tight end is going to be
1: debated. Yeah. Is it George Kittle or is it Darren Waller? No, definitely. I, I agree with you 100% on that one. I think you do have a debate between those two guys right there. Jason Witten will one day take his rightful spot in the ring of honor. Uh, oh, definitely wow. a, a, definitely a good Dallas Cowboy. And in the Hall of Fame. Definitely a great Dallas Cowboy mm-hmm. uh, throughout the course of his career. All right, not much on tight ends, but I do want to touch on one dude. Yep. And it's Mike Gaseki because I think that Mike Gusecki is a perfect player for Tua's skill set.
0: And the numbers would agree with you. Uh, Gusecki had 30 targets, 18 catches, and averaged 9.7 fantasy points in six games with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center to start the season. 9.7 uh, is not bad. I mean, tight ends, not very deep. But in the final four games, all of which Tua Tagovailoa started, this is four games. Gasicki had 34 targets and averaged almost 17 points per game. If you're looking for a potential breakout tight end, Mike Gasicki could be it next season. I think you throw Noah Fant in that mix. I think you throw Irv Smith Jr. in that mix. But Gasicki could bust out. And he was a top 10 tight end this year, but just he was super inconsistent, yeah. super unreliable. But he's got the tools to be a top eight tight end, no question about it. And, and a better top eight tight end in terms of the. Uh, level of consistent production that we can see from him
1: there you go right there 101 fantasy football facts from the 2020 season you get that on si.com go through it read it and you just prepare yourself to get ready for next year Got a long off season coming we're going to have you covered though Mike
0: yeah man we absolutely will I've got the next iteration of my review recap slash preview content that's going to be coming out Next week, I am going to have my 55 interesting Super Bowl fantasy facts next week to celebrate Super Bowl 55. And we're doing another mock draft, so you'll be able to get another look at how things might have changed here. I think George Kittle will be drafted a little bit higher this time than he was in the last mock draft. So So make sure you check that out. I'm going to have rankings for the Super Bowl. Not much, but there'll be rankings for the Super Bowl. And we have got an absolute ton of fantasy football content because, like Corey said, man, this is not something that just goes away. This is three sixty five, three sixty five. I'm also going to have my way too early 2021 player rankings coming out uh, next week. I'll do my fantasy wish list for 2021. I'm going to do an article next week also about where I'd like to see some of these quarterbacks end up because there's going to be a lot of movement at the quarterback position. We'll also look at the best. Fantasy free agents of 2021 coming up in the next few weeks. And then as we roll closer to Valentine's Day, something that I've done annually for years, my 2021 fantasy man crush list, because, you know, Valentine's Day is all about love.
1: No doubt about it. There you go right there. And it's nothing about love between the fantasy executive and Michael Fabiano. And you, our listening audience. Now let's get ready to get on out of here. For Michael Fabiano, I'm Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. The SI Fantasy Podcast. We are out.